Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and four plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. The Leslie Marshall Show. A true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. from Washington, D.C. every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. for an hour-long Generation Progress takeover. Check us out at genprogress.org or on Twitter at genprogress. Hello and welcome to the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I am your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm your other co-host, Edwith Theogene. Hello, Edwith. Good to talk to you on the air. Um, and welcome also again to our recent new affiliates, Atlanta's Progressive Talk America One Radio. Appreciate the new listeners. So we are about halfway through the month of June, also known as Pride Month. Um, and Pride is a time to celebrate the LGBTQ plus community and reflect on what has been done and also, of course, what still must be done to achieve full equality. Pride also commemorates the Stonewall riots of June in 1969, um, it, at, uh, in 1969, which were led by trans women of color in response to police violence towards LGBTQ plus patrons at the Stonewall Inn. Uh, this Pride Month in particular, feels extremely significant for a few reasons. And one reason is that the Supreme Court ruled earlier this week that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 protects LGBTQ plus workers from workplace discrimination. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's one small piece of good news if we could have a little piece of good news um, in this hellscape that is America. <laughs> uh, which means it is illegal to discriminate against or fire employees for their sexual orientation or gender identity. The case will also give LGBTQ plus people and advocates stronger legal standing when it comes to addressing discrimination in other institutions or services. So the other reason, as we have discussed in recent GP takeovers of the Leslie Marshall Show, um, is that massive numbers Americans, numbers of Americans across the country, have taken to the streets in recent weeks to demand an end to systemic racism and state-sanctioned violence against Black Americans. Uh, black members of the LGBTQ plus community, particularly black trans women, have been especially vulnerable to violence and their murders and disappearances are too often forgotten or glossed over by local and national media. So consequently, we have seen a push during this Pride Month, especially to recall the history of Pride, which began with riots against police violence uh, led by trans women of color in order to emphatically state that black trans lives matter. So to talk with us more about 
Pride Month um, and the intersection of Pride Month with Black identities and more here in America, uh, we are joined by Nadine Smith, the Executive Director of Equality Florida. Thanks so much for joining us, Nadine. Thank you for having me. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Uh, and we are also joined by Dr. Lourdes Ashley Hunter, the Executive Director of the Trans Women of Color Collective. Uh, Dr. Hunter, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. So to start us off, um, Nadine, can I ask you to talk a little bit about your organization, Equality Florida, and how you came to this work? Uh, yeah, actually, my background was in journalism, and I ended up covering police. I covered City Hall, I covered government. And, you know, there came a point where I was covering these stories and having to have the the objective distance. But these were stories that were affecting my life. Uh, and I remember when there was a, a, a human rights ordinance being debated. And because I was a reporter, I was I could hear the chatter between city council members, including very homophobic words. And I decided that I wanted to stop simply reporting from a, some remove about these things and do something about them. So uh, I became involved with the local organizing and that eventually led to a statewide group called Equality Florida. We were founded in 1997 as Florida took a, a really hard turn to the right. Uh, right now we still have a, one party that controls the governor's mansion, the Senate and the House, the Republican Party. But we've been able to stop a lot of bad things that have happened, uh, bad bills introduced in our capital, and we've been able to uh, secure local protections so that 60% of the population in the third most populous state in the country have uh, non-discrimination protections that include sexual orientation and gender identity. So we, um, of course, the Supreme Court decision was huge, and it is a reminder, I think, in so many ways this year, how connected all of these struggles are. We would not be celebrating the Bostic decision the Supreme Court just made had it not been for the people who put their lives on the line and lost their lives fighting for the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And in other ways, it has brought us back to the roots of what pride is about. And it was about a street rebellion against police brutality. And I think that uh, we've been able to, to really put that part of the history, not just pride as a street festival or a parade, but pride as a place where we... We push back against the normalization of police violence. And those have come together to, I think, make this year uh, a, a place where we are reminded that our fates are tied, that there is no such thing as equality for one group, um, and that for there to be true equity and justice for the LGBTQ community, there must be equity and justice for everyone. And that means ending white supremacy, dismantling the systems of racism. Thank you, Nadine. Very well said. Um, yeah, Dr. beautifully H said. <laughs> uh, Dr. Hunter, um, can you tell us a little bit about what the mission is of Trans Women of Color Collective and what does your role at the organization entail? Absolutely. Trans Women of Color Collective uh, is the organizing body that was formed as a direct response to the violence and state sanctioned violence that black trans women and trans women of color have faced and continue to face. Um, our mission is to uplift the narratives, lived experiences and leadership of trans people of color uh, while building towards collective liberation of all oppressed people. 
my role at Transformer Color Collective is the executive director. And so what we do here is create spaces um, for black trans people, trans people of color, uh, to be able to heal from trauma, um, to create sustainable uh, economic opportunities, as well as be able to create legacy for our communities. Um, it's very important that we see ourselves reflected um, in leadership roles. And so what we're doing is cultivating those spaces. Far too often, LGBT organizations have neglected uh, the leadership of Black trans women, of trans people of color, um, have relegated us to um, tokenization and exploitation of our narratives. And so we're shifting that narrative by being the creators of our own stories. I think that that's a great mission and um, I appreciate the work that y'all are doing. So Pride Month is a celebration, but its history, as we've discussed here, is rooted in the anti-police violence riots in New York in the 1960s, which uh, also, as we've said, are like, are, were led by trans women of color fighting back against oppression and the violence they were experiencing at the hands of law enforcement. Um, Nadine, how do you think we can use this history of pride um, to further inform uh, current discussions um, around um, the movement to act for Black lives? Well, you know, again, it underscores that these, uh, there, there has never been, as a, as a Black lesbian, there is not a part of me that is uh, entirely covered by efforts around sexual orientation and gender identity or uh, that is covered entirely by efforts around racism. It is the, the challenge, the work that we have to do is to make sure that people can be their full authentic selves no matter where they go. And so when I think back on Stonewall, I think of Stormy uh, Delaverry, who who fought back against the police, a, a butch lesbian, a drag king, who in fighting back uh, against the police called out to the crowd, you know, why don't you do something? And sort of touched off that moment. Um, but when you think about what Stonewall was, it was one of the few bars where drag queens were able to perform, where street kids uh, were permitted. It was not the high end it was, you know, this mix. And, and it's not surprising that it was um, black and brown trans folks whose backs are against the wall that set, set it off. But it's also important to say that they were joined in those streets fighting back against the police, you know, by those white street kids. We all need to claim our part of this uh, legacy to understand where we must stand today. Our, our folks didn't riot, the police rioted. Our people stood up for themselves, defended themselves. That's the same thing that's happening right here and right now. And you cannot say Black Lives Matter unless you mean all Black Lives Matter. And right now what we are, um, I think, finally addressing is that uh, there, there is a clear link between the police-inflicted violence and what white vigilantes did to Ahmaud Arbery and thanks, the thanks epidemic. Thanks so much, Nadine. I'm so sorry to oh, cut sure. in. We have to uh, swap over to commercial break, but oh, I no want to pick up on that thread right when we come back. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. Okay. 
Hi, welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Edwithia Jean. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. Thank you. Um, today, we're joined by two amazing guests, uh, Nadine Smith from Equality Florida and Dr. Lourdes Ashley Hunter from Trans Women of Color Collective. Uh, before we went off on break, Nadine, you were going on a really great thread um, about the history of pride and how that connects to the current discussions around racism, anti-racism, and Black Lives Matter movement. Um, can you finish your thought? Sure. I was saying that this goes beyond simply police violence. It goes to, to the weaponization of the police um, you know, the, the situation with uh, Christian Cooper, a black gay man birdwatching in Central Park who is threatened by a woman who, who understands that by uh, telling him that I'm going to call the police and tell them that an African-American man is threatening me, that she is wielding a potentially lethal weapon. And, uh, and the final thing I just want to say is, you know, we can go all the way back to, to, to Stonewall, but we can also look at the birth of the Black Lives Matter movement, which uh, stemmed from uh, Trayvon Martin's murder in Florida and the the founders of what is the Black Lives Matter movement, Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, Opal Tometi, were very specific in identifying that this was a, a movement that centered uh, queer lives that wasn't going to be silent about the epidemic of trans women being, black trans women being uh, murdered. So so this fight is our fight. We We are um, we experience the brutality of police at the intersection of our race and our gender identity and our sexual orientation. And it is important in this moment that we take our place in this fight visibly uh, and, and understand until we can dismantle white supremacy and, and end the, the role that police play in enforcing it, we are going to continue to not be able to exercise even the rights we secure if we don't have the freedom to actually access them. Yeah. Um, Dr. Hunter, uh, how can activists in the LGBTQ plus space, as well as those in who are taking action around black lives and anti-racism make space to do a better job of centering the voices and experiences of people at the intersection of those identities? I think what's important for people to understand um, is how they can create ways to leverage their opportunities or leverage their access to resources to create opportunities for others. Um, when you think about pride and you think about Stonewall, even in that of itself, there was erasure of black and brown trans women. And even building up to Stonewall, we can look at the Cooper Donuts riots and the Compton Cafeteria riots that happened in the late 50s and 60s, also led by Black and Brown trans people, um, which built up to Stonewall. And that erasure has even continued to this day, where we have seen Black and Brown trans people, uh, voices have been erased from this mainstream movement around gay liberation. And so I think it's important for us to also recognize that erasure before we just move forward to creating spaces, because then we don't have that intentionality that really um, highlights a history of erasure, but also a history of black and brown trans people um, continuing to um, fight for equity and fight for our rights. You know, at this point as a black trans woman, I am exhausted. I am tired, you know, um, 
to the point where it's like, I, I can't march anymore. I cannot continue to engage myself in these processes that continue to erase our leadership, that continue to erase our voice, and then also works to exploit those same narratives, um, almost like in a tokenization um, or performative narrative of social justice. Yeah, I think that is hugely um, important. I mean, looking at like the the data, the stories, the how Black and Brown trans women are continuing to face uh, horrific rates of violence in this country, um, centering uh, the voices and the activism and the asks of uh, people. Um, who are directly impacted and most directly impacted by this um, is hugely is hugely important to solving the problem. Um, Dr. Hunter, I want to continue a little bit on this and ask, you know, um, can you discuss how the Trans Women of Color Collective um, is viewing the root of this problem? Which one? White supremacy, anti-blackness, transphobia, which problem? <laughs> yeah, yeah, great question. Yeah. <laughs> All the problems. All the um, problems. <laughs> I guess like what is at the base of how you uh how your organization kind of approaches all of these problems, right? Because we all live at the intersection of them all. And a lot of the times um folks experience these problems not just one at a time, but all at the same time. Um Absolutely. I think that, you know, we take our cues, not take our cues, actually, because she takes our cues, her cues from us. But Angela Davis talks about abolitionist feminist theory, and it's how when we elevate those who are at the bottom, we all rise. And so trans people have already shown, like, hegemonic culture or mainstream culture that we can resist these social constructions um, of gender uh, social constructions of class and race um, by living in our authentic, living our authentic selves and living in our truths. So it's possible we can live in a world that is not bound by gender norms. It's possible for us to live in a world that's not bound by the police and bound by classism. And so um, what's important is for people to actually like look to trans people and particularly black trans people who have always had to be in this survival mode, so to speak. Even when we look at um, what's happening with COVID-19, like black trans people have always had to use the interwebs and the internet to like find community, to avoid isolation, to, to make sure where's the safest place for me to be. How do I connect with resources? And so we're finding lots of people, you know, struggling to be able to do that, being that they have to social distance or they have to work from home. Like working from home is a dream for a black trans woman. That means I don't have to deal with violence and discrimination and harassment. I don't have to have my identity policed when I leave outside my house. You know, I don't have to worry about if I'm not going to be able to make it home because of some transphobic idiot or someone who's just out there willing to do injustice. It's very interesting now um, how we see all of these resources that are available to people um, because of COVID-19 um, when before, you know, there, these, for some reason these resources were um, scarce or weren't there. So um, I think that by looking at the ways that Black trans women have had to survive um, in a world that, that is telling us that we don't belong and our lives have no value is a great place for people 
to really point their listening ears um, and an opportunity to really learn how we can um, live in a world free from oppression um, and really live to be our, our authentic selves. I've said this many times, the reason, one of the reasons why Black trans women in particularly face so much violence is because people can see the joy. People can see how we have forsaken our family, our friends, our jobs, just to be ourselves, just to have a glimpse of happiness. Uh, so we're going to go head off to break. Um, so let's all marinate a little bit on what Dr. Hunter has just shared, and we'll be back to follow up that thread. Thank you. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Hi, welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Edward Theogene. And I am Charlotte Hancock. Thank you. Um, today we are talking about Pride Month and especially important in this current climate. We are joined by Nadine Smith from Equality Florida and Dr. Lords Ashley Hunter from Trans Women of Color Collective. Uh, before we went on break, um, Dr. Hunter, you were on this wonderful, great tangent, um, just sort of, you know, I guess calling for us to uh, really naming that this moment, COVID-19, has allowed us to kind of reimagine the world and also for us to kind of look at the leadership of trans Black women and consider how they've been um, navigating the world in order for us to reimagine a world free from a lot of the oppressive systems that currently exist. Um, would you like to, I guess, finish that thought and that thread? Like, what do you think needs to be done to kind of respond to all of that? I think uh, what should be done is basically trust Black trans women, fund their work, listen to them, you know, and I think that folks will be able to create ways uh, for them to find joy and happiness in their lives as they continue to navigate um, all of the systems of oppression that we collectively face. Great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I wanted to bring back, um, you know, in in this in this world where uh, there's there's so much bad news um, and so much um, information about um, the the long time, um, you know, tragedies and travesties um, that have been happening in a country uh, in this country. Um, there has been one positive development in the news this week, um, and that was that the Supreme Court ruled on Monday that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 protects LGBTQ plus workers from workplace discrimination. And um, I want to hold on to some good news. So I want to talk about this for a second. Uh, Nadine, were you surprised by this decision? Um, what does it mean for um, LGBTQ plus employees in this country, do you think? Um, yes, I was surprised by the decision. Uh, I was surprised that it was a 6-3 decision, which in a Supreme Court that is so often 5-4, tipping in either direction, that's, that was significant. I was surprised that Gorsuch wrote it in such clear and unambiguous language, uh, naming transgender, naming sexual orientation, naming um, the, that the protections derive and, and rejecting uh, utterly the Alito and uh, Thomas uh, perspective. So it, it, without a doubt, it, it is a game changer in, 
in fact, more far-reaching even than the marriage decision, because while not everybody um, will or will want to access marriage, uh, everyone must um, find a way to to meet the basic necessities of life. So it is a, it is a watershed moment. Having said that, what we know is that um, laws are one thing, culture shift is another, and the work of of ensuring that these protections are respective, that they are codified in state um, civil rights legal architecture, and ensuring that they actually create the momentum for shifting uh, the culture so that, you know, you can find, we, Florida's a right to work state, so people can be fired for no reason whatsoever. So clearly, if, if uh, someone is of the mind to work around those protections, they can, but it is a signal uh, delivered in a very powerful way that the expectation uh, embedded in the law is that people should not be fired for no reason except their their gender identity or their sexual orientation. Yeah. Um, one particular potential implication of this decision from SCOTUS is that it may give advocates additional ammunition to use in pushing back against rollbacks on LGBT uh LGBTQ plus rights from the Trump administration. Um, one thing that comes to mind is the rule that was recently finalized by HHS on Section 1557 of the Affordable Care Act. Um, is there anything in particular you'd like to see challenged first using this SCOTUS opinion, Dr. Hunter? Well, um, I, I am a little bit on the fence with the, 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 the decision in terms of focusing it as such a huge win because what it's telling me is that we've always been um, or had these protections right um, and when I think about how many trans people have been impacted by not being able to have a job we look at some surveys that say you know the average income of black trans people is less than ten thousand um, dollars a year um, and so many people have experienced workplace discrimination um, and when they they had recourse but no, had no way to use it, use it or utilize it. Um, for me, uh, it's not just workplace discrimination. We need access to housing, health care, and, uh, and as well as educational opportunities without these barriers uh, that are embedded in our laws. Um, and as, as my colleague has mentioned, like, you know, laws are one thing, but how do we change the culture? And so that's what I'm really interested in. And I see this as really, this, this change with the Supreme Court really impacting those who are on the high end or who have access to lawyers to really fight for them and not really marginalize or poor communities um, who are really impacted by um, underemployment or unemployment. Yeah, I think you're right. You have to occupy or have a certain level of privilege to even access rights that everyone should have access to. Um, and I think even as we think about culture shift and policy and legislation, like how does that actually reflect and connect to people's day-to-day -day experiences um, is really important for us to think about. Uh, Nadine, did you have any thoughts about the 1557 rule or... Um, you know, how this connects with SCOTUS as well? Well, I think one of the things, while this uh, Supreme Court decision was specific to employment, in defining sex discrimination to mean sexual orientation and gender identity, uh, it is our position in talking to 
the governor and talking to legislators here in Florida, that that should extend across the board and that and that they should act swiftly, both by executive order and by um, action during legislative session to encode that in the laws and not make us have to go back each time for each separate provision. Um, and we see the, you know, the, the cultural change, in my view, comes from grassroots organizing. If you look at Jacksonville, which is one of the most conservative parts of our state, the mayor is the former head of the Republican Party. We have now had to fight twice in the last three years to secure uh, sexual orientation and gender identity uh, non, uh, non-discrimination protections. But each time we've had to, we won in 2017, the far right won in court on a technicality about uh, how the bill was noticed. And we went back and just recently secured those protections again by a wider margin. And just today, that Republican mayor of Jacksonville said, I should have signed it two years ago instead of just letting it become law. I will sign it this time. And the the culture change that has happened within Jacksonville, incomplete, but it is definitely a different place, not simply because the law was passed, but because of the organizing, the community, the faith uh, groups, the the town halls, all of the work that went into applying that pressure meant people's voices got heard that ordinarily were, were not heard. And when the city tried to take uh, gender identity out of those provisions, we were able to pass it by remaining united in that commitment. And so to me, that work is as important as the policy that actually uh, is passed. And that is the work that remains because it's in that work that the culture does shift. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. Um, Dr. Hunter, is there anything else you want to follow up on there? No, absolutely. I agree. Um, (laughs) I agree. Yeah. Um, So I know that people are hoping to find ways to uh, get involved right now, right? Like this is, um, I think we're in a moment um, in time where, um, you know, it's, it's not that there are more instances of racism or violence or sexism or gender discrimination that are happening now. It's all just getting filmed. Um, and there is more public conversation um, about it than there has ever been before. Um, so I, I know that when we come back, we really want to dig in um, uh, quite a bit more on this um, on what suggestions um, you might have for uh, people who are looking to to get involved. Um, so I don't know if there if there is like if there is anything um, in particular that comes to your mo- your mind. Um, but I definitely um, want us to to be thinking that o- about that over break. Um, thus far, you've been listening to the Generation Progress Takeover um, of the Leslie Marshall Show. Um, we have some awesome guests with us here to talk about um, Pride Month. June is Pride Month. Um, the movement to uh, protect black, black lives um, and the intersection, um, the necessary intersection between those those two spaces. Um, and you've been listening to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Welcome 
back to the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I am your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm your other co-host, Adwith Theogene. Great to have y'all with us. Um, so we have some great guests today here uh, joining us remotely. Um, we'd like to welcome back our guest, Dr. Nadine Smith um, and Dr. Lords Ashley Hunter, um, who have joined us today, uh, respectively, from the uh, Trans Women of Color Collective um, and also from Equality Florida. Thanks so much to both of you for being here with us. Um, so before we came to commercial break, uh, we were talking about ways that people can get involved. I think people are looking for ways um, to get involved more than ever and want to make sure that they are uh, taking um, action in an impactful way. And they're looking to guidance from people um, leaving, leading um, each of these individual um, and intersectional movements um, to make sure that they are doing the things that these communities are asking for and the things that communities want. So do you have any suggestions for people who are looking for ways to get involved right now? Um, or what should people be calling their representatives and asking? Um, I'm going to ask uh, Nadine first. Well, my message to people is to, to stand where you are and, and fight with what you have. And so by that, I mean, we do need people out in the streets. And uh, to fellow protesters, I say, keep, keep your distance, mask up, and keep your voices up, because it is making a difference uh, in ways large and small. Um, and, you know, we still have a... a uh, Access, different access points. If you're an elected official, you've got to use the power that you uniquely have to really push for transformational change right now. And I think that if you, uh, Dr. Hunter was, was sort of referencing that here, COVID arrives out of nowhere. Um, we are able to provide um, emergency funding, like do things that, that before, um, January, nobody would have even begun to say were possible. And so I think right now the real the real issue is to dream big. And and in some ways, for example, you know, Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben, uh, caricatures of of blackface minstrel shows, are being removed right from from these companies uh, as their icons. Now, if somebody said you get one wish in the, in the midst of all this, that would not have been where I would have spent my wish. <laughs> but it is just a reminder that once you once there is the will to do something, there is a way to do it. Um, and that is true on so many of the things that we are we are pushing for, whether whether it's a, a, an equitable health care system, whether it is, you know, reimagining what public safety actually means instead of sending, you know, dialing 911 and having an armed person arrive because somebody passed out in their car and is sleeping off too much alcohol and ends up dead. So th this is a moment, I, th I think, for us to, to dream uh, very big. And again, to lift up something that Dr. Hunter said, I think the lens has to be who is bearing the brunt, who is um, the most vulnerable in our community. And if we can make the world safe for that person, then the world is going to be safe for the rest of us. Yeah, I, I think that's, I, I love that. I think that's great. Um, appreciate that, Nadine. Um, Dr. Hunter, uh, 
what do you think? Oh, and also just you're so, you're so right. It's uh, amazing how there was not the money to um, do any of these things before the pandemic, but uh, suddenly, um, you know, we've got a country of socialists. And I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> you know, but it's amazing that it took a pandemic for um, for it to sort of like uncover what we knew was always there. And uh, we knew everybody always has needed help with. Um, so um, Dr. Hunter, what do you think people should be calling their representatives and asking? Well, um, I wouldn't encourage them to call their representatives in particularly. I would encourage them to fund uh, the work that is happening in their communities, especially if it's led by black trans folk, um, black folk, queer folk, disabled folk, um, folk who don't have access resources um, in ways that others may. It's really low-hanging fruit to share your resources with others. Um, and I think that that is what can be most transformative in many people's lives. Um, calling my representative may not feed me, but if you call me and ask me, do I have food today, right, or share your meal with me, that may just give me a little more courage, a little more um, energy to be able to fight another day. Um, for me, I really think it's important that folks are leveraging their access to resources uh, to create opportunities for others. Um, we think that we may not have have to give, but you know, if you can share half of your sandwich, you know, you're planting a seed and, and it will grow. And so a lot of times people think that they have to be out there marching and protesting and doing all these other things when there's other ways to get involved. Um, just by going online and becoming more knowledgeable about what is happening every day and having those conversations with your racist grandparents or your homophobic aunts and uncles, because I'm not about to talk to them. They're not going to listen to me, but they may just listen to you. Right. And so through that extension, you're making the world a better place um, and keeping your folks safe as well, because, you know, we're not going to keep taking this lying down. I'm telling you. <laughs> there's going to be some people who are going to rise up and they're going to respond differently. You know, there was this one activist, she said, you're lucky black people are not looking for revenge. Right. She's, she said, you're lucky we're looking for equality, not revenge. That's a yeah. Yeah, very <laughs> powerful. But I will say this, uh, you know, all of that is true. And, you know, um, people can uh, press their state rep, their congressperson uh, to step up. And right now, imperfect as this democracy is, people, you know, we, we've got a, an, an election coming up. And I think of it as a, as a you know, a mash unit in a, in a war. We've, we've got to keep people alive. And we have a, a uh, person in the White House right now who thinks nothing of enacting or repealing, um, caging children, taking away health care uh, protections, all sorts of things that have a very real impact and none more visible than all of the disparities that COVID has laid bare. You know, uh, he is willing to let Americans die to protect his pride and to protect his power. And this upcoming election is a critical one. Uh, perhaps the most important, no, not perhaps, the most important of my lifetime, and I'm 55. And people, I'm, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that everybody's vo voice and everybody's vote is heard uh, because uh, it is about having the, um, being in a position where we can make decisions and we can compel 
uh, change that we want to see, not just small reform, but transformational change. And so um, if for people who want to, I, I'm encouraging everyone to, to register to vote by mail. We saw what happened in Georgia, where if you were in the white suburbs, you could whip right through the line. And if you were in the black community, I saw one brother who who's, he was there for seven hours and 45 minutes before he got to vote. That's not accidental. That is intentional. And vote by mail gives you options. So if people uh, are interested, you can go to honorthemwithaction.org. And uh, you have the opportunity, if you're a Floridian, you can click to go to Florida. Or if you're anywhere in the country, you can get your vote by mail ballot and be sure not to get um, your vote suppressed or sudden equipment failure or any of the other you know, shenanigans that they pull to try and create an apartheid state where few, fewer people are permitted to vote and a smaller and smaller group of people retain power. That was on honorthemwithaction.org, is that right, Nadine? That's correct. It, it's a website we set up in, in the aftermath of the massacre at Pulse, and we made the commitment that we would... Um, each year commemorate that massacre by taking action. And this year, the action is encouraging people to vote by mail and, and make sure that they haven't been dropped from the from the rolls. So as I said, wherever you are, wherever you stand, in whatever ways you can, do something that makes a difference. And it's an election year, and this is one of the key ways that we're going to be pushing people to get involved and help change who those decision makers are. I love that. I love that this is, um, you know, I mean, I don't love that this is a marathon, not a sprint, uh, but I love that you've uh, set up the steps and all the different ways each of you laid out all the different ways that we have to be taking action. It is not just one thing that is going to fix this. Um, this is a long-term fight and there are lots of different ways that you can get involved no matter uh, your skill set, your ability, your strengths, um, your privilege. Uh, there are lots of different things and lots of different ways that people have to be plugging into this fight uh, in order for there to be a difference here. Um, so we don't have too much time left. I just want to ask real fast, where can folks go to find out uh, more about your work, Nadine? Uh, equalityflorida.org is our website. It'll take Fabulous. you to all of our programs. Thank you. And Dr. Hunter? You can go to www.twocc.us and check us out on um, social media. Thanks and so if anybody much. wants to email me, I'm Nadine, N-A-D-I-N-E, at equalityflorida.org. Thanks so much. And that is all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much to our guests, Nadine Smith and Dr. Lords Ashley Taylor, our producer, Mark Grimaldi, our senior press associate, Emily Leach, and to all of our listeners. And make sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Gen Progress. We'll talk to you all again next week on another Remote Generation Progress takeover of The Leslie Marshall Show. Add a little play to your day with the Michigan Lottery. Over 90 online instant games to choose from, with prizes up to $500,000. A Marquette County woman recently won $250,000 playing online. Could you be next? Sign up online today to receive 10 free games with promo code FUN. Visit MichiganLottery.com to add a little play to your day. Amazon is hiring near you. Earn a competitive wage and start as soon as seven days. No resume or experience required. 
health and safety are a top priority with all of our roles and sites, and Amazon is taking precautions in our buildings to keep people healthy. Go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.